Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited and grateful that you are joining me today for another great conversation to help you level up in talent development, learning and development, or HR, whatever part of the L&D world that you work in. And today truly is about leveling up the HR community. It's about community. It's about helping people all over HR with the challenges that you're dealing with and how we can all get better It's about moving from process to being more people-focused. It's about being more inclusive of others in the working world and how we can manage our own careers in HR uh, to find more success or move on if we need to as well. Today, we are talking all about the HR community with my good friend, Julie Turney. And Julie is a heart-centric and people-focused HR professional with over 15 years of experience in the field. She is the brainchild of the HR at Heart Consulting Incorporated, a coaching firm she created after her second bout of HR burnout to help HR professionals to build their resilience and agility while providing a safe space to recharge. Julie is also the lead organizer of Disrupt HR Caribbean for Barbados, where she lives, as well as Jamaica and Trinidad, and she's the host of the HR Sound Off podcast show, which I've been a guest on in the past, and the author of the book, Confessions of an HR Pro, Stories of Defeat and Triumph, and that is a book if you work in HR you want to check out. Julie is on a mission to connect with every member of the HR community and is determined to clear up the many misconceptions people have about our profession. So if you work in HR, you've heard those misconceptions, you want to help yourself and the HR community level up and be more of a strategic part of the business, make sure you listen to this interview. It is a good one. Julie is 
so well known uh, around the HR community, especially if you're active on LinkedIn or Twitter or on Clubhouse. And she's leading many conversations. She has a live show. As I mentioned, I've been on there and I've just really enjoyed getting to know Julie and, and hearing her perspectives. And she comes with a lot of passion and fire on this subject. So I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. You're going to hear in the interview that she is very big on community. And you know I'm big on community as well. So I'm going to use this opportunity to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by the Talent Development Think Tank Membership Community, which is the community that I run for L&D professionals. And you can find out more information at tdtt.us, tdtt.us. And this podcast is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is a professional services firm dedicated to providing a continuous stream of creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps organizations develop great people. You can find out more by going to advantageperformance.com. And when you get there, you can also click on free resources and find our podcast website there as well. All right. Without any further ado, I'm going to take you now to my interview with Julie Turney, who is the author of Confessions of an HR Pro, Stories of Defeat and Triumph. Enjoy. I'm joined now by Julie Turney, who is a heart-centric and people-focused HR professional and the author of Confessions of an HR Pro, Stories of Defeat and Triumph, and who is well-known around the HR world. Julie, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Hi, Andy. It's so great to be here. How are you doing? Fantastic. So great to have you on. You and I, I think, originally connected over LinkedIn and then chatted on Clubhouse, and you interviewed me on your live show on LinkedIn. And I made some great connections from that people that reached out that were watching and you have such a great fan following, I think in the HR world and also a unique perspective coming from the Barbados, you know, from the Caribbean islands and building this brand for yourself internationally in the HR space. So I want to talk about some of the things that lessons from your book, I want to get into some challenges that are going on in the HR world, things we can do to, to fix that and maybe touch on the topic of neurodiversity, which I know you're passionate about as well. Yeah. Um, but let's go back and talk about, you know, maybe you can give us a little summary of what has your HR career been like to get you to the point where you feel like, hey, I need to write this book and share some of these stories. Yeah, so I started my career in HR as a result of a bad experience that I had as an employee. Um, and I talk about that in my book about how I was terminated from my first job ever in life when I was 23 years old and in my third trimester of my pregnancy. And just how that all went, how I experienced all of that. And it didn't sit well with me at all. And I just thought there has to be a better way to treat people, to deal with people, to work with people, manage their performance. And it kind of set me on a journey that over the years brought me to HR. And so throughout my HR career, one of the many questions that I've asked myself and others is like, where is the HR for HR? When we're going through those difficult moments in our career, when we're building our careers and just, you know, all the many things that we're expected to know as generalists or even as, you know, we niche down, uh, we don't know it all. We can't know it all. Applying theory to practice sometimes is two completely different things. And so asking those questions is what brought me to writing this book, experiencing a lot of things that I did by trial and error brought me to write this book and, you know, talking to other HR professionals in my community and knowing that I wasn't alone and just asking them if they wanted to share their stories as well 
all of that brought me to write this book. I love that. You know, sometimes it's the biggest challenges or problems we discover that set us on the path towards looking for a solution or being part of the solution. And so that experience, losing your job, third trimester of your pregnancy, had to be a scary time, but it pushed you into, I'm going to go into HR and, and make a difference. What was it about HR that you felt like there's a big opportunity here to, to actually to change things? So from my first work experience, just the lack of the fact that there was no one there to kind of guide me through that process mm. while it was happening. And then just certain things that happened in various jobs that I was in throughout my career um, in terms of the interview process and just certain gaps that were missing in that process when you're recruiting someone to the to you know being onboarded in an organization and having everything that you need or having a buddy or someone to help you navigate through the organization to understand and know who your key stakeholders are. Just all of these different experiences that I've had where I felt there were deficiencies is what kind of drew me to HR is the place where I think I could fill a lot of those voids and make a difference in the workplace. Do you think a lot of HR professionals are doing that the right way? What's what's the biggest challenge or problem in HR today? <laughs> the biggest, there's so many. <laughs> I think that a lot of HR professionals, if I'm honest, are trying. Mm. But I still feel that a lot of HR professionals today are very process driven and they're not people focused enough. I still think that there are a lot of HR professionals who are all about the policy and that kind of are just about, you know, how do we put these processes in place and just get people to follow them versus how do we make the employee experience, including our own, a great experience? How do we make the world of work or the organization that I'm in a great place for people to feel like they belong and that their ideas and their thoughts are valued and that we can use them to create amazing things in our organization, which will also enhance the customer experience, which will lead to loyalty in customers and loyalty to employees. And I think a lot of us don't connect those dots. And that's a problem. Yeah, I've heard you speak about this as well uh, before. And we, we've had some of these conversations on Clubhouse. A lot of people that are very process driven, and it's they're kind of a product of the system, right? This is the way it's always been. We, mm -hmm. we create these systems and processes, we enforce this, we implement this, um, but you're talking about people making a shift to become more people-focused. You mentioned the employee experience. So what does that shift look like? Have you, did you make that shift? Have you seen other people make that shift recently to become more people-focused? And how do we help more people do that? Yeah, so I definitely was not always people-focused. I think very early in my HR career, I was just trying to understand the processes and the policies on why these things work. But the more I stepped outside of that, outside of my role and what I was supposed to do and thought more about, well, what are we trying to achieve here as a whole, as an organization? And are the people that are here in the right places? Are the people that are here being fully stretched in their roles or are they frustrated? You know, and when I started to ask those questions and 
improve the relationships that I have with my key stakeholders and really understanding who they are what, at their core, what they need in order to, you know, achieve the goals that are set out for them at the board level, the more I felt, saw the importance of becoming more people focused, becoming more people driven and helping people to connect those dots. Everybody in the organization plays a vital role. And when they understand what that role is and how it connects to the big picture, then people are more inclined to feel like they have a say, they have a stake, and they're more open and willing to share their thoughts and their ideas. And I think that a lot of times in organizations, we don't do that. We don't help people to see the bigger picture. And I'm not just talking about at the C-suite or in the manager, but even on the ground, the people on the ground need to know, you know, where, what this whole thing that they're working towards, what it means, what we're trying to achieve and how we can make the workplace better for everyone. And once we all understand that we play a part in that, then that's gonna make a huge shift organizations will get what they need out of people yeah hr will get what they need out of out of people and out of their roles right ultimately yeah speaking of that a couple of things i wanted to ask you about one is uh, in your book you say that we need more transparency in hr what do you mean by that so transparency in hr i feel like a lot of times there are so many things that happen in our space that are not fully shared. So for example, um, there was a time when I was looking for like salary ranges and in the Caribbean, that's not something that, I tried calling us a whole bunch of organizations and I remember just going like, I'm looking for salary ranges in this particular role that I'm recruiting for and call these HR departments. And I was like, so what do you, what are you paying for this role? And they were like, oh, sorry, we can't share that information. I'm like, seriously, like, what am I going to do with it? Other than try to use it to create an analysis to determine how I'm going to create this pay scale for this role. Like, what else am I going to do with it? Am I going to tell, am I going to go try to figure out who are employed in these roles and go and talk about their salaries? Like, things like that, you know, just being more transparent and open. And also, a lot of times in HR, we take the opportunities to brag a lot about all the great things that are happening in our organization. You talk to an HR professional where everything is going great. Oh, this is so great. I love my job. This is perfect. You know, I'm, I'm feeling stretched. I'm enjoying my relationship with my stakeholders. But was it always that way? A lot of times, no. And I find a lot of times as HR professionals, we don't share the hard stuff. We're so busy trying to impress each other that, you know, we forget to share the defeats of, you know, the things that we're going through or that we're experiencing, this didn't work out for me, this is what I did and this is why I'm here now. We don't share a lot of that. And so when I talk about more transparency in HR, I just mean let's be more open and honest with each other about hard stuff and let's be more open and transparent and honest with each other when it comes to supporting each other in developing our, our, our craft, right? As individuals or as a community. Yeah, I agree 100%. And you, you, may, you were talking about transparency, but when you talk about sharing the hard stuff, the defeats, the challenges, the mistakes, the failures, that requires some vulnerability as well. <laughs> and that vulnerability is how we build trust and rapport with people, right? When we just try to pretend that everything is great, 
it's intimidating to others and they don't yeah. really connect with you. But when you're, you're real, which I think is what your book is about, right? Confessions mm-hmm. of an HR pro sharing some of those stories. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, why did you write the book and what did you really want to share? What did you want to get across and what do you want people to get from it? So why did I write this book? I wrote this book. This book was in my head for a very long time. And I felt like this was a perfect time to write this book as we were going through COVID, because I felt like this was a moment where we could be our most vulnerable as HR professionals to talk more about the things that we struggled with. I felt like it was important to write this book and I've dedicated it to every HR professional. So whether you're considering coming into the profession, I want you to understand what you're getting yourself into. And if you're already here and you're feeling alone in these various aspects of the different chapters that I I cover, just know that you're not alone. There are other stories out there that are very similar to yours. And I want you to know, look at the learnings, look at the way we felt when we were being defeated in those moments, but look at how we triumphed over them. I also cover lessons learned from each of those moments of defeat and triumph. And I also want people to know that it's okay to make the decision that if HR isn't for you anymore, it's okay to walk away. If you've given it your all and you're just at a stage where like, you know, you can't do this anymore, it's okay to walk away and know that you'll get the support that you need. And I, and I want those people out there who are feeling alone to know that there is community. And I share where you can find that community if you've been struggling to find it for a while. I don't see too many people walking away from HR. Maybe I'm not noticing. Well, they are. People have a passion for it and it, it's hard to leave. But you, you say there are, and you see more people leaving because yeah. they have just kind of lost their passion or feel like they've done all they can do. Or is it more frustration that I don't feel like I'm getting the support from the business, I'm not able to accomplish things, and I'm just tired of it? We've lost so many good people in the HR profession. Within the last maybe five years, I've recognized it a lot within the last three years as I continue to talk to HR professionals to to learn more about who they are, expand my community, just learn from really great people. And as I meet more and more, especially HR consultants, I hear a lot of people say, Julie, if I had known you two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, I would have stayed. Hmm. But I felt so defeated. I felt so frustrated. I felt so alone. I felt like I couldn't go on. That I left and I decided to go into consulting or I decided to change my um, profession completely and go into something else. And I get a lot of that. I get a lot of that. So there are so many people who have left and there are people who are still thinking about leaving. I'm coaching at least four people right now who are at that stage of like, do I stay or do I go? Because I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't cope anymore. The stress is too much. You know, the work, the load is too heavy. The emotional commitment that it takes for me to the emotional intelligence that it takes for me to be in this role on a daily basis is way more than I, I bargain for. And I, and I need to know how do I get out of this? And I am still facing that. I know a lot of HR professionals and L&D, the area where I work more, are really stressed. They're taking on, I mean, everybody is overworked across organizations, but L&D and HR professionals tend to sometimes take on other people's stress and problems, right? And worry about everybody else. 
and not often take care of themselves. So I'm curious, you know, when you talk to and coach HR professionals who are getting burnt out and frustrated and thinking about leaving, you know, I'm big on personal responsibility and owning your career, but also there are situations that you can't necessarily change. So I'm wondering if it's more, they need to make some changes for themselves and, or they're just not getting the respect and support they need. And it, it really is time to move on and do something else. It's a combination of both. So there's a lot of workplace toxicity and sometimes being a department of one and sometimes even being a department of 40 is really hard to make those changes when you are dealing with bullies and toxic people and workplace violence and harassment. You'd be surprised how many sexual harassment cases there are where HR professionals are actually concerned and being harassed Mm. in that space. Sometimes it just gets too much and it's overbearing. Still today, because we, we still feel today. like, oh, there's so much awareness around this. It, it must not be happening that much anymore. It is still so, happening, Andy. Yeah. It is still happening. Yeah. And we're getting, even in, in the perspective of HR bullying HR. So when, when your HR department is not a safe haven, like of all places that should be a safe haven for you as an yeah. HR professional, you yeah. should feel safe in your team, right? And if you're not feeling safe in your team and you're being bullied by your CHRO or your VP of HR or your HR director, and a lot of times going to the CEO makes things worse. Mm. So a lot of times people are leaving because of that. And then also too, there's a perspective that, like I said, sometimes you're dealing with some really heavy stuff. I've had HR professionals, I've coached HR professionals who have dealt with a death, whether it be by suicide or just an employee's died on the job at their desk. And they've just been like, nope, didn't know that this was part of the the job. Nope, not dealing with this, walking away from that. I've had HR professionals who have had to deal with violence on the job where someone's come on the job to perform a violent act towards an employee on the job and HR has had to step in to support that. Nope, that didn't know that was part of the process, not dealing with that. And I've had HR professionals who have gone to the other side of the spectrum and just, you know, dealing with their own mental health challenges that have have arisen or surfaced because of the kind of role that they perform and just realizing, you know what, for the safety, for my own safety and for my own self-care, I need to step away from this. And sometimes, and I always recommend to, to, to my clients, it's okay to walk away for a period of time and come back. It's okay, always okay to come back. We can discuss how do we build your career after you leave. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to leave and never come back, you know? So there are lots of different ways that that I coach and support HR professionals through their career. But these are a lot of the reasons that are, you know, causing HR professionals to just be like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Not going to do this anymore. I did not bargain for this. I did not sign up for this. And they walk away. Right. And you got to do what's best for you and your career. There's no, you shouldn't feel guilty about, oh, I'm leaving the HR profession behind or something like that. It'll it'll be a a good hand because Julie is here to coach more people in in HR. COVID-19 pandemic and 2020 changed everything in business and talent development. 
Almost overnight, companies were forced to figure out how to engage their employees remotely and run their development programs virtually. Luckily, Advantage Performance Group has been running a webinar series and releasing free resources throughout the last year and beyond. Advantage is a proud sponsor of the Talent Development Hot Seat. It's known for creating, learning, and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish. To join our webinar series and find more of our free resources, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. You got to do what's right for you. But I also, you know, going back to the, the original point too, take stock of what's going on in your situation. And, and yeah. is there something that can be changed? Can you then take ownership that, of, of, right, of your schedule? I see so many people in L&D that are kind of, I've been on this rant before, right? They're like burned out. Like I can't get anything done because I'm in meetings all the time. And sometimes like, well, can you just take ownership of your schedule and, and maybe block off some time to do some things and stop saying yes to so much? Um, exactly. Because you do, you do control that, right? But we have a tendency Absolutely. to want to please everybody. That's it. And that's the other thing. So yeah, to your, to your main point, a lot of times it's about taking care of yourself and owning, taking ownership and accountability for what you signed up for. So a lot of times, it, you know, I always say the first thing I always look at is your job description. Why? Because I want to make sure that what you're doing and what you were being paid to do makes sense. Like the two of them still are married together. And if they're not, how do we fix that? And then I look at, well, what does a day look like for you? Walk me through a day. You know, where are you having your biggest challenges? And if time management is one of those things, then I talk about, well, what can you delegate to someone else? If you're a department of one, who can you bring up, you know, in your organization, be it the receptionist, an admin assistant, someone who can just do the basic stuff. And then I always provide, and because I'm a huge techie, I always provide lots of different tech options to help you, you know, balance different projects that are happening. I'm a, I love Trello. I love Asana. I always look, I say, let me see your calendar. I look at your emails and I go, okay, can we group emails? Why are you not responding to these emails? So there are lots of different things that I do. Like I really get into the nitty gritty. I kind of want to, I kind of want to get you into my, my calendar and my email now to see. (laughs) I get into the nitty gritty and I believe in healing from the inside out. So like, I always focus on if you're giving so much and you're saying yes to so much, why, why are you saying yes to so much? Yeah. What is it? Where is it in your space, in your head that makes you believe you have to be this all encompassing, all things to everyone? And how do we change that mindset so that yeah. you feel like you can cope in your day to day job? This is great. You're already answering my next question, which was going to be how do we build more resilience in HR and in our careers? Yeah. So, so many ways that we can do this, but like, I think it's really important for people to start with from within, right? And when we think about that word resilience, it also comes with another word now, which is agility and being flexible. How do we bounce back after we've faced, you know, a particular crisis? Well, COVID alone has shown us we can rise over almost anything, right? And before COVID, look, we were dealing with a bunch of stuff prior to COVID. We were, st- we were always dealing with 
political injustices, social injustices, economic downturns. We were always dealing with those things at some point in time in history throughout HR. We've always been first responders. And so it's more about how do we build relationships and build community that's going to help us to stay the course? How do we stay on top of what's happening so that we can always be in a mode of predictiveness? We can always be reactive right we can always be proactive i'm sorry not reactive we can always be proactive i was gonna we say want, no, no yeah we want to be proactive proactive intentional that's yes. the word i meant yes, yes. so we want to be proactive and that only happens when we realize that we need help we need support and we rely on others to help us do that whether that's our team or our community or we do other things like get a coach or go to therapy, but take ownership of what's happening in our space and try to figure out how do we deal with it. Every time you answer my question, you go into the next question Sorry. that I was going to answer. No, it's perfect. Like you're you're amazing at this. I love all everything that you're talking about. The next thing I was going to ask you about was how do we build more of a community to connect you know, with other HR professionals, because I'm hearing that theme in there and what you're yes. speaking about. And of course, it's something, you know, I'm big on as well. Yes. We need community. We can't do things on our own. Community is everything, Andy. And I wish that I had learned that very early in my HR career. Community is everything. And I think one of the easiest ways that we can build community is through whether it's our local HR chapters, wherever they are, you can start there while you're there and you're mixing and you're mingling and you're networking, you may go, okay, I'm not that kind of person. I don't network. Listen, I'm an introvert, super, super socially awkward. And I struggle with a lot of those things. When I go to HR conferences, I'm usually sat in the back somewhere fighting with someone for that back seat because there's always someone who's just like me. <laughs> and then we end up becoming friends. Yeah. But I think like start there and then expand from there. LinkedIn. Oh my goodness. I've met so many amazing people, including you, Andy, on LinkedIn, mm. and just so many great groups. I am such a huge fan, and I have huge respect for Eric Kershaw and Tracy Sponenberg. Eric has HR Hot Seat. Tracy does HR Rebels, Enrique Rubio on Hacking HR and what he's created there. I'm now looking at other communities like Collab HR, HR for HR. So there are so many communities out there, Carib HR Forum, it would be remiss of me not to mention Dale. And they are such an amazing group of people in that community as well. And it's a Caribbean community, mm. um, but go global. Go global if you can. And the reason why I say go global is because there's so much to learn in HR. And sometimes um, we can get stuck in a box of what we perceive HR to be because of where we are, whether we're in the Caribbean or Europe or, so if you're from Europe or the US or you know North or South America, get into those HR groups mm. um, in the Caribbean. And if you're in the Caribbean, go and learn more about those HR groups outside. The House of HR, which is from Zimbabwe, I am now in that group, and that is an amazing group of HR professionals as well. And I also love another great way that I never thought about building community before, but I absolutely love Wendy Daly and John Thurman. And yeah. they do the HR social hour yeah, trivia on, yeah. on Twitter. That's right. Look, 
I'm learning that I'm learning how to navigate that whole trivia. But I think those guys do such a great job of helping to build community. And then last but not least, my favorite person ever, Steve Brown, just does a great job of rallying HR community together, especially on Twitter. And if you just hash, look for hashtag HR community on Twitter, you'll find us. We're all there. So like your HR community is just a click away, mm. just a click away, you know? And, and connect with people and turn those into real life connect. relationships. Like you yes. and I have been on Zoom and talked many times and in different mm-hmm. platforms that we haven't met in person yet one day. No. It's um, going to happen. It's, it's going to happen, right? We're just a, a little bit of Caribbean sea away from each other from Florida to Barbados. That's right. right. But right. there's a lot of people like that. And I've made so many friends through LinkedIn. You mentioned John and Wendy. They met, I think they connected over Twitter when they were both not at a conference and they were like, tweeting about it and then became good friends and started a podcast together. Yeah. Uh, now they go to conferences together. Like there's just so much opportunity. Exactly. Like exactly. So many different ways to, to connect your HR community. So and I'm I glad you mentioned too, that you are introverted, can be shy in those situations. Cause a lot of people use that as an excuse. And sometimes it's hard for me to give advice because I am an extrovert. I mm-hmm. will admit, I love going to conferences and sitting in the front row and surrounding myself with people. But yeah. you are out there as much as I am on social media, <laughs> on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Clubhouse, running a live show, talking to people. And it's just about how you get yourself there, show up intentionally, and then how you manage your own energy around it, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. A lot of times after I've done something like this, um, even though this is a very busy week, the end of the year always gets busier for me with speaking mm. engagements. I think I've been able to build my social muscle through the opportunities like this, being able to do one-on-ones. That's where I, I excel the most in building relationships. And then when we come together as a group, it's easier for me to network within that group because I've built the one-on-one connections. So for me, that's how I do it. And then through my community, which gosh, has grown exponentially since COVID. Um, And I'm so honored like that people, you know, appreciate what I put out there because I put it out there because I want people to know that, you know, as HR professionals, I see you. I've been there. I know what it is to struggle in your career. I know what it is to be curious and I'm constantly curious, but I also know what it is to not have the time to go look to find those resources and be able to fill those gaps. But community for me has really, and genuine community, intentional community has really been very beneficial for me as an introvert to be able to have build up to moments like this. Yeah. You know, I'm all about community. I run a community as well, the talent development yes, think tank, L&D professionals. And, I, and I've been, I've paid to belong to many communities, met a lot of people that are social like you and, and people that I consider friends. And I just don't think we should do this stuff alone. We, we need no. community. We're social creatures. We need other people. A couple more subjects I wanted to get into real quickly sure. before we wrap up in more of the DEI space. So, you know, there's been more and more focus on, of course, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging since the social justice movement started in May 2020. Do you think HR is playing enough of the right role in that? Is there more that HR can be doing to improve DEIB and and create more inclusive cultures? 
I think HR is doing the best that they can. I think that one of the things that we try to focus a lot on, especially through the pandemic was how do we synergize HR and DEI? Um, because they oftentimes they sit separately. And then if you're in, a, in an HR role where you are also focusing on DEI, then build, how do you build the knowledge and the capacity to help support your organization from a DEI perspective? And I think that's where you lean on those brilliant people who are just totally focused on DEI. So I think we're doing the best that we can. Could we do more? There's always more that we could do. Um, but I think that being able to, and I remember interviewing um, Darlene Slaughter a couple months back, and she um, she's the head of DEI for her organization. And I remember her saying, just having the conversation is moving the needle forward. Yeah. Um, if you were in an organization where you never had that conversation before, having the conversation is moving the needle forward. And then, you know, Taryn Ellis, um, amazing when it comes to how do you create robust DEI strategies? And his advice was, you know, like, just think about who is not there, who's not at the table. And that's where you need to focus so that you can make that impact. Moving from insight and words to action, fulfilling the promises that we've made to our people about how we're going to move the needle forward on DEI. We need to be more intentional on that. And I just think that HR needs to be consistent in supporting the follow through on those promises that were made. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so you mentioned who's not there at the table. Speaking of that, you know, when we talk about diversity, of course, there's a lot of obvious categories like race and gender, age and other things. But lately, I've been hearing more about neurodiversity. I know you've been speaking about this subject and recruiting more neurodiverse candidates. And in fact, you told me that 80% of neurodiverse candidates are still unemployed, which is a huge opportunity in what we would say is probably a a bit of a war for talent that we're Mm -hmm. in right now. So can you tell us more about that? What does neurodiversity mean? What is the opportunity out there? How can we get better with this? So neurodiversity just means that, you know, you're talking about people who think a little differently, process things a little differently. Generally, most neurodiverse people are more creative than neurotypical people. They're more focused, but it usually refers to persons who are autistic on that spectrum in terms of Asperger's, people who suffer with ADHD, as well as dyslexia. And so these are the people that we talk about mainly when we talk about neurodiversity. I mean, most of the time we're focused on persons who are autistic, but it also includes these other categories of neurodiversity as well. So when we talk about these people and how do we recruit for these people, that's the question, right? When we're talking about that, then we need to become, we need to recognize that they don't interview the same as neurotypical or normal people. A lot of times, especially persons with autism can be super, super honest. So they view the world differently. And so how they answer and respond to questions causes persons on the panel to think, okay, this person is weird versus understanding that this person has a neurodiversity. So I think on both sides, there are challenges with Panels not being, or persons in the talent development space um, on talent acquisition space not being 
censored to neurodiversities and understanding who these people are and how do we determine what is neuro, what is what makes a person neurodiverse and how do we change up our recruitment process to accommodate these people? Because a lot of times they have the qualifications and more to get the job done. So how do we become more aware of how we recruit? How do we educate ourselves about recruiting neurodiverse talent? And there are lots of organizations out there that support, support that. And there are lots of organizations that have created programs and projects to support recruiting neurodiverse talent. And you can look to those for you know, support and guidance in creating your own programs as well. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're you're talking about that, raising awareness and that. I know you're speaking soon on the Amplified DEI Summit hosted by a friend of ours, Vivian, Vivian yes, and uh, Vivian Aqua. And I'm hearing more and more about that. And we're actually going to do a whole, a whole episode about that topic. I've got an interview coming up with Jessica Michaels from Adobe, uh, who's going to speak more about neurodiversity and how we cater more to people in that category. So I'm glad there's more people talking about that because we want to be we want to build an inclusive world, right? And exactly. that is as inclusive as possible of everybody where they feel like they can contribute, they can show up, they're, they're appreciated, uh, all of that stuff. So I appreciate all the work that you're doing in HR, Julie. Um, we're going to wrap up this conversation. I want you to hang around because we do have a bonus round. We're going to ask you some more questions about your career. But before we wrap this up, Julie, this has been great. Um, for people that want to get your book and find out more about what you're doing, where can they go? So you can find me on LinkedIn. I live on LinkedIn, but you can find my book. (laughs) I do live on LinkedIn. Like it's the main platform that you will find me on. And you can find my book on Amazon in paperback version, as well as on Kindle. And that's where it sits right now. All right. Confessions of an HR pro. Go make sure you get that on Amazon. Make sure you connect with Julie and follow her on LinkedIn and follow me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, We're both having lots of great conversations on there on a regular basis. Julie, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate all your insights for the HR professionals out there and how we can level up in HR. Thank you for having me. All right, take care. That's going to do it for my interview with Julie Turney, all about leveling up in HR and creating more of an HR community. I hope you really enjoyed that interview. I hope you got some value from it. So many different topics we covered around the HR space, and I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are, and I know Julie would as well. So please feel free to share this interview on LinkedIn and Twitter and tag both of us or send connect with Julie and send her your thoughts. And make sure you get Julie's book, Confessions of an HR Pro, Stories of Defeat and Triumph. It's available on Amazon. I have a copy, and I think it's great reading for anybody in the HR space. And finally, you know, Julie talked about the importance of community and how we need a community. We are social creatures as humans. We need to be connected with others. We can't sit around trying to do things on our own. It can be really, really stressful and cause anxiety, and we never really know if we're making an impact or if we're doing the right thing. So if you want to connect with others in the learning and development space, the talent development space, come check out the community that I created, the Talent Development Think Tank. This came was born out of a conference that I hosted with my friend Bennett Phillips back in January of 2020, and then after COVID hit, I was looking for ways to keep people connected in the L&D world and leverage all the great relationships I have to bring in speakers and content and have great sessions. And that's when the Talent Development Think Tank community was born back in June of 2020. And today we have over 100 really great members, generous, kind, wonderful people 
who are interested in leveling up their own careers in talent development and helping others in the community do the same. If you want to find out more information, go to our website, which is tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. All the information is there. And you can put in code HOTSEAT, H-O-T-S-E-A-T, all one word, for 10% off when you join. And of course, there's no commitments there either. Join for a month. If for some reason you don't get value, and I've rarely seen this happen, you're welcome to leave. There's no pressure. But if you really love it and you want to commit to a longer term, you can also sign up for an annual subscription and save a little bit of money that way as well. So the website is tdtt.us and the discount code is HOTSEAT, all one word. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate you. Feel free to go out and share this on social media and again, connect with Julie and connect with me. Let us know what you think and I will see you next time. Tune in in a couple days for our bonus Q&A session with Julie Turney. See you then. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.